Random Inks Productions and the Credible Nerds present The Fourth Taviran, a Wheel of Time podcast. The Wheel of Time turns, and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. Let the dragon ride again on the winds of time. Welcome everyone to the 4th Taviran, a Wheel of Time podcast, and this is episode 7, and today we'll be covering chapters 33 through 38 from The Eye of the World, which is book 1 in the Wheel of Time epic fantasy series. It was written by Robert Jordan and published in 1990. And as always, I am your host, Justin, and I have my fellow Taviran with me, Mark. Hey guys, how's it going? And we want to thank you guys for joining us here on the 4th Tavirin Podcast. Uh, we like to keep it real and talk about some of the latest news as well as review some of the chapters. And then go into depth about one of the aspects of the Wheel of Time that we like. And so today, like I said, the chapters we'll, we will be reviewing are chapters 33 through 38. And that's a little bit more than halfway as there are 53 chapters in the book. So made some headway if you're reading along as we do these episodes means you're more than halfway done so so we've read this book many times yes uh i've probably read this book six or seven times at least yeah Uh, yeah it's it's a great start off book i mean i've read the whole series quite a few times as well but i mean i always anytime i restart the series i will always read this book first because it's kind of like pick me up you know gets my gears going reminds me of things and then i i'll jump around like i'll read some of book two and i'm like oh but i want to read about this and it's in book four so but um you know but yeah book one i've i've read the most for sure yeah me too i probably read about the same amount of times five or six and a lot of it was when the series was still being written i started reading when book seven was being written and so every time a new book would be about to be published, I would restart the series. So I've read it a few times. And this is my first reread that I've done since the series was finished a few years ago. So it's good to get back into it and you know revisit these characters and these locations and just kind of settle back into the Wheel of Time and get to know Rand again and Moraine and everybody. So it's got a a special spot in my heart this book does because it's the beginning it's the nostalgia of it is is there and it just feels it's a good time reading this book i really like it it's simple it's pretty linear there's not a lot of you know character viewpoints that you jump around from this one to that one it's for the most part it's pretty you know it starts at the beginning and then we have an end and you understand what happened Mm-hmm. Well, and most everyone's together, right? After this book, people like split up. So you're reading about Matt for a while, then you don't read about Matt for a long time or Rand or, or whoever, right? Whomever. So it, it's nice, you know, like you said, it's just nice big story. I mean, I think they split up a little bit here, right? But I mean, as as we'll go through it, we'll see, you know, we'll see some reunions happening. And, and so it really uh, it is an easier read, you know, it's it's easier to follow. Yeah. 
yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite books is this first one. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about a major casting announcement that was recently announced. Uh, it's the first one and we think it's a good one. So we'll be talking a little bit about that, who, who it was and which character and what that means for the, the series. And we'll also be talking about uh, in our last segment about Andor, which is one of the nations in this world of the Wheel of Time. Plays a major part throughout uh, the series. And we're talking about how why they only have queens, why they send the, the daughter heir to train and to be an Aes Sedai, you know, just things like that. And there's also uh, some scandal. There's a love triangle that we'll be getting into and talking about and how everybody's related. So look forward to that at the end in our last segment. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I mean, you don't have to listen to it, right? Because it does have some spoilers in it. Uh, you don't mind spoilers and some things. And by all means, listen, if you've read the books, listen, because this for me was one of the coolest things. I remember as I was reading the books and this was coming out, I was like, this is awesome. Does this mean such and such and such? And sure enough, it did. Right. And so it, it really like, I, I was really excited. And so then it, at the end of the book, it kind of makes the whole, you know, last chapter, big chapter at the end of the book mean more. Right. So, um, Something interesting to listen to, uh, definitely. I, I suggest you listen to it. Yep. All right. So, yeah, in regards to spoilers, our last segment will be spoiler heavy. Uh, the first part is just our Wheel of Time news. So probably won't be giving away spoilers to the story. But one might slip out. Uh, and then the next segment is our chapter reviews, and we try to keep those as spoiler-free as we can. So just so you're aware. But yeah, so Wheel of Time news, um, the latest is the, the first casting news of the series. It was announced on Twitter from the showrunner Rafe Judkins, who said, who made a statement that Rosamund Pike is cast as Maureen, and she's a main character in the story. So it's uh, natural or makes sense that she would be one of the first uh, parts cast. and. It was announced on Wednesday, June 19th, 2019. And she's on Instagram. So if you want to follow Rosamund Pike, MS Pike, I believe, is her handle on Instagram. She's started to post nothing spoilery or necessarily related to the Wheel of Time, but she said things like, I'm excited to be part of the Wheel of Time story, looking forward to being Moraine, you know, things like that, but nothing really that would give a hint or spoil anything for, for those of you who haven't read the story. But uh, so, uh, Mark, what do you think of this casting? Were you aware of Rosamund Pike? Uh, have you seen any of her films? Or what do you think of this casting choice? Yeah, um, so the first movie that I remembered uh, that she was in was um, the... Uh, the old 007, right? Uh, James Bond. So she, she played James Bond. So when they said that, I was like, wait, she played in James Bond. And I looked, sure enough. And then as I started looking, I'm like, oh, she's played in like a ton of different movies, you know? So she's been around, like people have seen her. Uh, she's got some acting chops on her. Um, 
which is good. And I, I think that they've done a good job trying to get that kind of ageless look for her because I mean, she's in her, I think she's like 40 years old, something like that, you know, so she's right at that prime age, you know, where you're, she carries it well. So I, I think they did a good casting choice there. Uh, the one concern I have is that, and maybe I need to go watch more of her movies because, you know, for me, I'm a big fan of this book. I've read this book a million times and Moraine is like, <laughs> like the capstone of all of it, right? She brings it all together right. um, from the beginning to the end of the book. And, you know, even when she's, you know, not, you know, if you're a fan of the book, you understand, even when she's kind of not around, she's still around. She still has a huge effect on the book, a huge effect on the story, on the characters, the paths they take, the choices they make. And, you know, is this a casting choice that can leave that kind of profound effect? And uh, I, I just don't know. I need to watch to see, you know, if, if she brings that out for me and, and obviously, you know, this is going to be a different kind of movie that then she, she's probably or show that she's at, than she's ever done before, but you like to kind of see what they've done before to see if they, if they have it in them. Uh, I, you know, I definitely think that the other things, you know, kind of the attitude who Maureen is, I think that this is a great draw, but I just hope it's somebody that can really bring it all together at the end in the longevity of this TV, TV series. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is some, some questions to be had and pretty sure we'll find out in the first episode. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so yeah, she was in a James Bond movie back in 2002. Die another day. I remember seeing it, but I don't remember her really being in it. That was the one with Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. And, and she was in wrath of the Titans, which I have. I'll have to rewatch that. Yeah, I thought I thought that too. I saw that. I was like, I don't remember her in it, but I mean, that was uh, kind of an un- unmemorable movie anyway. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, and she was in Pride and Prejudice. Jane Bennett, which I'm not a Pride and Prejudice fan, but um, and then most recently, looks like oh yeah, she was in Jack Reacher. I recently rewatched that and she had a pretty significant part in that film. I thought she did a good job. So then she was in gone girl and I believe she received an Oscar nomination or maybe a golden globe, golden globe nomination. Oh yeah. Nominated for an Oscar. So she's definitely got the acting chops for it. She's getting Oscar nominated. So yeah, I think it's a good choice. Uh, well, time will tell. Hopefully, we get some more information soon. Oh, okay, that'll give uh, Liam Neeson some chances to say yes to land. So that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think he would be a good choice. But I would, yeah. Who do you think they're going to announce next? I think you do announce land. I think Rand will be announced last. And I think next will be Lan. And then after that, we'll start seeing some like, 
you know, Egwene, Nynaeve. Uh, please tell me if I say these wrong. <laughs> I, I've been ridiculed before in the past. Um, <laughs> Not ridiculed, just made fun of. <laughs> made fun of. Uh, in a know, nice Egwene, way. Nynaeve um, will, will be yeah. named, you know, uh, probably Tam. I think Tam's going to be a big pick, though. Uh, not for what he can do early, but what for what he does to the story late, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I think Tam will be a good, uh, a big pick. But we'll see him and and things like that. And then I think the last one we'll see Matt and um, Perrin. And then I think that there's going to be a dry spell, and everyone's going to be like, "Oh, who's Rand?" And then they'll <laughs> announce Rand, right? I think they're going to hold out because I mean, Rand, come on, it's the Dragon Reborn. It's the you know the the hero of the show. The you know, whatever figure you want to make him out to be, he's it. And uh, um, the whole series revolves around him. So I, I think they'll just hold out. And I, I can't even begin to guess. Like you and I have thrown <laughs> names back and forth together. And, uh, you know, it's just so hard to cast this character, I think. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I know there's a lot of chat online about it. And yeah. I mean, I've, I'm in a lot of different groups. I'm sure you are too. And, and that's probably one of the most talked about things I see is the casting. Who's this? Who's that? What about this person? What about? And some are serious and some are just off the wall silly. But, um, but I think Rand is going to be an interesting choice. I, I, I don't think it's going to be someone we know. Yeah, I think they would do best by getting someone who has some experience but not been in nothing big. Just so they can own this role, you know, you know this actor is Rand. You don't have to be like, oh yeah, he's also in this film. You know, it's just this guy is Rand, and that's it. Yeah, in those groups, it's pretty much nonstop casting um, speculation. It's kind of getting annoying, but I mean, it's fun at the same time. So yeah, it's, it's a big deal. It's fun, and but like you said, I mean some eventually you're just like okay enough because it yeah. gets it gets beyond silly right they're just like i don't know silliness yeah, yeah so it'll be interesting we'll keep our eye on the the announcements and report them here and talk about them here just like this one. Oh, and also i came across something today earlier while i was preparing for the show but there's this guy on etsy called nerdcraft spelled k-n-e-r-d-k-r-a-f-t that's his username on etsy um but he's got a lot of cool artwork and one of them is this wheel of time national park style map and uh, you you've all seen at least those of us in the united states anyway have seen if you go to a national park they usually have free maps and you pull them out and they all have this distinctive style to them. And it's he's used that style to draw the, the map for the Wheel of Time with all the different cities and roads and things like that. So it, it's pretty cool. So if you want to check it out, uh, it's a 16 by 20 poster. Wheel of Time National Park map on Etsy. Let's see how much it. I think it's thirty bucks. So, yeah, thirty dollars. He's also got a bunch of other ones uh, as well. And there's one from Middle Earth. There's some Pokemon maps. 
he's got some posters too. He's got a Skyrim map, <laughs> a Jurassic Park map. So a lot of good stuff on there. If you're into nerd maps and just nerd art, go check him out on Etsy. Most of his his art posters are ten bucks, twenty bucks, some good ones. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I just want to give him a shout out. That's pretty creative. He's also on Instagram under Nerdcraft as well. He's keeping the fandom alive. Next up, chapter reviews. Chapter 33 uh, is titled The Dark Weights. And the chapter icon is a heron marked sword with the point of view being Rand. And the location is the Camelin Road. And I think the last chapter we reviewed was they were captured and held prisoner in a room. And there was this burst of lightning that blew a hole in the wall and Rand and Matt were able to escape. So that's where we left off in the last chapter. So this one, they're able to escape and get a ride from a farmer in his wagon. Um, Matt's eyes, he's kind of, because of the bright burst of light, he's a little bit blind, but his eyes are getting better. and. So this is kind of a transition chapter where <laughs> they're on the road traveling to Camelin. And they get a ride from this guy, Master Kinch. And he drops him off to, you know, he's got to go to his house. So he drops him off on the road two days from the, from Camelin. And this part is kind of strange because they're in shock. The, the dark friends are chasing them. Um, they have these weird dreams where Rand's back in the Four Kings and other, the guys that were chasing him back then were, you know, still chasing him. So they have these, it's just kind of this strange situation. And then, so the, the morning comes and they start walking again and they get a ride from another farmer. And it's kind of a, a repeat. You could almost, you know, think that you're in this deja vu type situation where they get a ride from this farmer then the next day they get another ride from the farmer it's almost a repeat of what we just read um but they end up staying the night with this guy and matt is paranoid he calls the the farmer's son uh, a dark friend and they get kicked out (laughs) so then they get more wagon rides and they go to the next village and the next was pretty uneventful really. Um, so until the end, um, they end up staying in these stables um, at, at an inn and this woman enters in and she's um, all of a sudden lunges for Matt and Matt gets his ruby dagger that he has. He's going to kill her, but then Rand convinces her not to. And they just lock her up in this closet and get out of town. But then, as they're a mile out of town or so, Master Kinch again gives them a ride. That's how the chapter ends. Yeah. No, it's kind of an interesting, cha- interesting chapter. I think, I think for me, there's two things that I, that I saw develop out of this chapter that are important for the future, right? We saw Matt and the dagger start becoming an issue right yeah that's Before, true. it was just kind of like he was just like holding it and i don't know you know my precious type thing you know and 
but now we see it like affecting him. Like, you know, he is so paranoid. He's calling people dark friends um, because he thinks he's gonna, they're going to steal his, you know, his, his knife and things like that. And he just, you know, doesn't want anyone around it. And he starts kind of withdrawing. And, and then the other thing is, I think we start to see Matt Taviran kicking in. Right. Uh, and we talked about this. When do Tarverin, Tarverin become Taviran? Like, and, you know, is it when they're born? But we've been told, and it's pretty canon that you're not born with it. And once you have it, it doesn't exist your entire life. Right. So when did it exactly kick in? Is this the moment we saw it kick in right here? Did it exist before on some level? I don't know if we'll ever know, but this is like really the first time where we see Matt's luck really start going uh, because I mean, this guy has got a, this lady, right? Tries to kill him, has a clean kill wide open. I mean, it's there for the taking and she sticks her knife into the post, like just randomly goes four feet to the left. Yeah. She totally missed. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, five is right now. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. But so for me, this is a great chapter to really get those two things kickstarted with Matt, you know, Matt's story is now starting. Yeah. And I think in previous episodes, you talked about how we all love Matt, but for the first few chapters, he's just this background character that's doesn't really do much. But Mm. Like you're saying, he does start to, his story does start to develop right here in this chapter. So it's good to see. And I like how you draw the parallels with Gollum from Lord of the Rings, how, you know, he's got this precious and he doesn't want anybody to see it or hold it or, but he's kind of getting possessed by it or obsessed by it to the point where he becomes something else. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a few things here and there throughout this book that you can pretty much draw a strong parallel to the Lord of the Rings series. And I, I think that was intentional so as to help the readers of this series in this first book, this new series, identify with something previously that they've read and that they've loved and draw them into the story without being a copycat. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, J.R.R. Tolkien at the time was, you know, he was the the bar, right? He set the bar for what the book should be. So, you know, definitely you're going to see throughout the book, you know, with the Midril, with the uh, Trollocs, things like that, right? All the way down. I mean, you see a lot of parallels. And I think Robert Jordan does a great job separating them so it's not, you know, like a piggyback. But, um, but, but you'll see it. And so <laughs> I will use analogies all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So this chapter ends as it started getting a ride from this guy, from this farmer. Um, then we move into the next uh, chapter, chapter 34, the last village. And the chapter icon is a Trolloc skull and fist, which usually means something bad's going to happen. And the point of view is Rand. And again, they're still on the Camelin road. So they're approaching one of the last villages till they reach the big city of Camelin. And in this village, they end up spending the night in some haystacks in a field and they wake up 
and the road is just full of people. Everyone's walking towards Camelin because the false dragon is coming to Camelin. So everybody wants to go see it. This crazy thing that they've all heard about and they want to go see it. So lots of people on the road right now. And they go through two more villages. Um, then the third one, they stop at an inn and they hear a conversation between the innkeeper and a murderall or a fade asking about the fade is asking the innkeeper about, you know, two boys. They seen two boys or, you know, Matt and Rand basically. And I always thought this part was weird because um, everyone's afraid of the murderall. Basically they see him and they freeze and they're these dark friends or not even dark friends. They're creatures of the dark, the hide in the shadows and no one wants to ever be associated with him. But then here we got this situation where this guy, this innkeeper is just having a conversation with him. And I always thought that was strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, cause, and you don't really see something like that again. Right. Even yeah. throughout the books. I mean, you see, I, I mean, you see humans and Midril interact, but not like that. I mean, nothing, yeah. like it was, it was almost like it was like, I'm checking in with my, you know, uh, with my informants. Yeah. And the informants were like, oh yeah, you know, come back next time you want to be dark friends together or something, you know, like it was just weird. And casual. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering too, if, if Robert, Jordan recognized that like, Oh, that's not really why I want like Midril aren't really people that would socialize in that kind of manner because, because then it just disappears. Right. We don't, we never get something like that formal again, you know, like just kind of like a weird formal setting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Maybe he wrote it and then reflected on it later. It's like, yeah, that's not what we want him to do. So that's fine. But it does stand out as different. So uh, they end up meeting up with this other guy, Bunt, and get a ride to Camelin with him. And Bunt, he tells them about, about Queen Morgaze, and she has an Aes Sedai advisor, Elida, and kind of gives them the rundown. There's a, a daughter named Elaine. There's Gawain. Uh, Lord Luke is dead. Tigreen is gone. And that, um, and Morghese eventually married Terengal, Damon Dread, who was Tigreen's, were they married or just lovers? Sure. Yeah, they were married. Okay. So they, Tigreen, and, and we'll talk more about this later, <laughs> uh, but I think it talks about it in this book, right? The yeah. lineage. So Tigreen and, sorry, <laughs> Terengal and Tigreen were married. And then Tigrain, she ran away, um, and they'd only had one son, right? And so she runs away, no, you know, never to be seen again. And so then Terengel married um, Morghese, uh in order to stay in power, basically, right? Because needs a queen. So Morghese comes and becomes queen, and then fathers, and then. Taryn Gale fathers two children and then he uh, disappears. Yeah. So Elaine, the daughter heir and her brother Gawain are children of Morghese and Taryn And Galad is son of Taryn and Tigrain. 
Mm-hmm. And we'll be talking about them in a couple chapters. As well as our last segment, we'll be talking a lot about these guys. Uh, more in depth and spoiler with full of spoilers. So, and that's the, the Royal family. Uh, I, I believe Morgays was cousin to Tigraine. So when she disappeared, she was able to rally the houses and uh, step in as queen of Andor at that point. Yeah. We'll talk about that more. Mm-hmm. So eventually they arrive at Camelin. So in this, in this chapter, we had the, the chapter icon was a Trolloc skull and fist for the last village. But yeah, we didn't see any Trollocs, did we? Was it just the, the Murdral? Yeah. Um, yeah, it would just be the Midral that one time we didn't see. I mean, I, I guess it just is hinting at the fact, right? Where you see Midral, you see a Trollocs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe Trolloc Skull and Fist is just creatures of the dark, not necessarily Trollocs per se. All right, so... I think, too, it's kind of cool to note, uh, and I don't remember if this is the chapter we've read or the chapter before, um, but as they're coming in, as we're reading it, that uh, just kind of the awe of Matt and, and, and Rand at the time, right? Because they see the Queen's soldiers, and they're like, what? We're part of a a country and we have a queen and you know what I mean? Like they're so like awestruck and this guy who's giving them a ride, he's like, what are these guys like, like, you know, lost it or something. I mean, of course we have a queen, of course there's queen soldiers, you know? And so it really shows like how small of a town they came from, right? How isolated they were, you know, just these farm boys that had no idea about anything. Yeah. Yeah, they're just overwhelmed by by everything. Yeah, so I think we do see a little bit of that in chapter 34 and also in this next chapter, 35, with Camelin. Um, and the chapter icon is the Lion of Andor. So it's the first time we see that. Point of view is Rand again, and location is Camelin. Um, so they are trying to head to the inn, the Queen's Blessing, which is the one that Moraine told them, well, actually Tom told them to go. Um, meet them there so they're trying to make their way there they get a ride into Camelin there like you said they're these country boys who are just in awe of everything that's going around them um drop the farmer drops them off and they start trying to get to the queen's blessing but then there's this thing where everyone's wearing a white or red cord or cloth wrapped around their swords and they don't really understand what that is or, you know, what that's all about. But Rand decides, well, I'm going to get one too. And he ends up getting the red one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, he does. Yeah. He gets the red one. Uh, and he doesn't really get it necessarily because he's like, oh, I should get red because more people get red. He got it because he wanted to cover his sword. Uh, he has a, this hero mark sword. And... It draws attention wherever he goes. Uh, here on Mark Sword basically means you're a master swordsman. Watch out or I'll chop you in 10 pieces, you know, kind of thing. And so uh, he covers it and he just happens to pick red. And I, kind of what I said before, I feel like that this is, again, Matt's influence that allowed that. Matt over Rand's? I think so, for sure. Um, 
you know, because because that's random, right? I mean, Matt, that's all Matt is is just like a random, you know, yeah. toss of the dice. You know, he could have yep. picked white as easy as he could have picked red, and he picked red. And I mean, we'll read. You know, you read about the benefits of that. So. So they finally arrived to the queen's blessing and talked to the innkeeper Basil Gill. And so they they have his or Tom's flute and stuff, and they show it to him. And Master Gill doesn't believe that Tom's dead. He's like, oh, he he's a crafty guy. I'm sure he's still alive. So, but he invites them in, gives them a room and some food, and they talk about Tom. And they learn that he was a corbard that he used to sing in Camelin and he was at the palace and was pretty tight with Queen Morgays. Um, that was a surprise to them. And eventually he got chased out. Um, his nephew that we've talked about before got into trouble, so he had to leave. And then when he came back, after he dealt with that, uh, Gareth Brine, the captain general of the, the army, um, got after him and kind of kicked him out again. So the boys finally arrive at their, their destination, but no one else is there. Tom's not there. Moraine's not there. The other um, two rivers folk aren't there yet. So it's just those two, but they're able to get a room and wait for them. The next chapter is chapter 36, Web of the Pattern. Uh, chapter icons, three leaves on a branch. Point of view is Rand, and they are at the Queen's Blessing in Camelot. So the three leaves on a branch symbol, is that the Ogier symbol? Yes. Yeah. The trefoil leaf. Mm-hmm. Right, isn't that like th- that's the same leaf thing that's on the uh, the ways, right? Yeah, I believe so. All right, so they are in the Queen's Blessing. They're eating some food, getting caught up. Uh, they talk with Basil Gill about how they got there, what their story is, and that they want to meet their friends there, Moraine and Lan and Tom and everybody. And if they don't come, they're just going to continue on to Tarvalon. Um, so then Master Gill starts telling him about Lyda of the Red Aja, who's uh, Morghese's advisor. But it probably wouldn't be good because their you know, friendship with Tom. There's a lot of political trouble in the city right now. Um, but he doesn't really explain it. And so Matt, he ends up going, they end up going to their room and Matt goes, and lies down and won't get up anymore. He just wants to be by himself. So Rand's like, well, I'm going to go see the city. I want to go explore. But he goes downstairs and he goes to the library. He ends up meeting this huge creature that looks like, first he thinks it's a Trolloc. He's a little scared. Um, but he tells, the creature tells him, no, I'm not a Trolloc. I'm a Ogier. My name is Loyal. And so, Loyal and Rand sit down and talk for a while. Um, and at this point, a new member of the group is, is introduced. Uh, Loyal ends up being a major character throughout the rest of the books. He has a big influence on the story. 
And so in this chapter, we're introduced to Loyal and what an Ogier is. So they live in steadings, which we've talked about uh, a while ago, a couple chapters ago. And in this, in the steadings, they, that's where they live, the Ogier, and they don't like to go outside of the, the steadings. It's kind of their home. And if they stay out for too long, then they start to get a, a longing for home and they have, it's almost like this biological urge that they have to return home and back to where they were. And Loyal likes to read books. He's always got a book in his hand. He, he wants to write a book about adventures, so he's pretty attached to books. And Loyal makes an interesting statement that he thinks that Rand is an Aiel. Um, and he asks him why he's so far from home. And um, Rand feels like he can trust Loyal and tells him the whole story. And here, at this point, Loyal tells Rand that he's Taviran. And, and that maybe his friends are too. And Loyal wants to travel with Rand and the, his group, and he asks if he can do so. But Rand says, no, I don't want you to travel with us because we're in a lot of danger. I don't want to be responsible for you dying or anything like that. So that's um, a pivotal mo- moment in the story is when Loyal the Ogier is introduced. So how do you think Loyal knew that they were Taverin? Like what would set him off to that? Like he just tells him a life story. Like how would he understand that when I said I, all sorts of people run into these guys and not as, you know, like two other people realized what they were. So what, you know, what makes Loyal just be able to be like, oh yeah, you guys are Taverin, let's hang out. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of pulled that out of the air. Like, oh, I think you're Taverin and your friends are too. It's like, okay, that seems pretty convenient maybe. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know, maybe he's just has, he's read about them. So he knows how they operate. I don't know. Yeah. And it could be, cause I mean, if you think about it, uh, they talk about it throughout the book, the Ogier lives so long that, I mean, they still remember Menethrin, like, you know, not as a long ago, far past, but they remember it. Like, you know, oh, that was just a few years ago type of remembering. So maybe their ability to see the bigger picture helps them recognize them more. Yeah, I can see that. Like they can kind of connect the dots bigger, right? Because they, they understand they understand the world as a whole better than humans, right? Because they're alive for so long. They just, you know, their histories, their books, you know, they're just more, I don't know, engrossing. I don't don't know the right word. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I never really thought about it, but um, yeah, that's chapter 36. And chapter 37 is called the long chase and it is the sunburst of the white cloaks and we get a different point of view we get Nynaeve's point of view and we jump back to the the other part of the group with Nynaeve, Lan, Moraine and they are trying to track down the other the person who has the other coin which is Perrin and Egwene so we jump back to them and they are pretty far away from Camelin. 
but they end up Maureen is able to track you know who has the coin and they end up going through the you know wilderness or just where there isn't anybody li- people living and they head north from the Camelin Road and they eventually find a white cloak's camp and they come up with a plan to to help him escape get him rescued um so the plan is that Nynaeve's going to go cut the, the ropes for the horses, the picket ropes, and that the horses will scatter when Moraine, you know, does her thing and causes some chaos. And then Lan is going to go in and get the, get the boy and get Perrin and Egwene. Um, so Nynaeve is able to do that. She recognizes Bella. So Bella's brought back into the group as well. And so as they, she cuts all the ropes and then Moraine starts using lightning with, you know, to cause disruptions and the horses scatter. And that's the chapter. Pretty simple. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Uh, They go and get him. Uh, I think this is like step two of uh, Bella's immortality. (laughs) Yeah. I think Bella's tubbier in too. Yeah, she is. The actual hero of the book. Um, <laughs> uh, but she makes it. Uh, you'll read about Bella a billion times, and no matter what, she's a okay. Spoiler alert she <laughs> survives forever, <laughs> probably all the way through the fourth age. Yeah. <laughs> but um, eventually, it just kind of becomes this running joke, I think. I think Robert Jordan's like, well, yeah, Bella's going to survive this. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it, we don't know about anybody else, but she will. <laughs> you Like every, I mean, any group that's been around a long time, there's always Bella jokes, you know, like just nonstop. Uh, she'll, she'll make, she'll make it through anything. So this, that last chapter is pretty much a segue into the next chapter. Chapter 38 uh, titled Rescue. And the chapter icon is the flame of Tarvalon, the white portion of the Aes Sedai symbol. The point of view is Perrin, and he's in the White Cloak camp while they're being rescued. So we get his perspective. Um, so Perrin and Egwene have been captured by the White Cloaks for a few days now. Um, they get questions. There's a child, Bayar. He's convinced that they're dark friends, and he's always putting them to task in questioning them. Um, then Perrin gets a, a message from one of the wolves that are following Dapple and Dapple sends a message through him to him uh, mentally that helps on its way. And then all of a sudden uh, the land steps into the tent after knocking out the guards. And then he knocks out Bayer and then unties Egwene and Perrin and they have to figure out a way to get out of there. So uh, they get the the white cloaks on. They take the white cloaks from the guards and stuff and put them on. And then that's when the lightning starts crashing down. And Lan, Egwene, and Perrin are able to escape. They meet up with Moraine. And they're able to get on the, the horses and, and take off. So as they're leaving, uh, Dapple reaches out once more. and. And tells them that, you know, they'll meet up again. Don't worry. And then the wolves leave. 
Um, so they're able to escape. And this is when Moraine notices that Perrin's eyes are yellow. And she's a little worried. So, but she also recognizes it for what it is. And that I won't hurt him. And she tells, well, actually, Lan tells Perrin that, you know, his his eyes, his yellow eyes, aren't you know part of the Dark One's plan or anything. So they talk. Perrin tells him about Elias, and Lan knows Elias because Elias used to be a warrior, and but he doesn't really tell him much. But um. So he kind of gets the okay from from Lan that, hey, you know, you're not a dark friend. We know Elias. He's a good guy for the most part. So don't worry. How uh, uh, common do you think people like Elias and Perrin are? Not very. I think in the whole story, there's only three of them that we see. That we see, right? And so I'm just wondering, like, how you know, people know about him because even uh, the children say that they know about him, right? They know, we've heard of men running with wolves and things like that, you know? So it makes me wonder how, how common it actually is. Yeah. Um, I don't think it is common, but rare enough that, you know, obviously there's something like this stands out and they, people remember and they talk, tell stories. But I don't think the majority of people have actually seen it. They just maybe heard, you know, campfire stories about it or stories that their mom tells them to go to sleep or else the the man wolf will come get them or something. I don't know. <laughs> so, and here's a weird question I've always thought of. Why can Elias and Perrin talk to wolves, but they can't talk to each other? Huh, that would be cool. Well, maybe they do. I wonder. Seems, I seem to remember something. No, I don't think they do. At least at this point, they don't. Yeah, no, I, I want, I, I'll have to reread again. I wonder too now, like, did they ever Vaguely talk? remembering something, but go ahead. No, I was just, you know, trying to wondering if they ever did. I, I don't know. I mean... I think maybe they were in the dream and they saw each other and talked, but I don't know if they can like, you know, just, you know, be running with the wolves and talk to each other. Yeah. That's interesting. I guess I vaguely remember something about that in the later books, but it's been too long. So we get there. Maybe we'll, we'll know. We'll talk about it more, but yeah, that would make a lot of sense that they should be able to. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. And the third person that we the story talks about, I think is always pretty interesting. That's in the next book, I believe. Or maybe, no, it's in book three. Um, so I, we'll, we'll re- revisit that, this whole topic again in book three. But yeah, so that's our chapter reviews for this episode. Uh, next episode, we'll start with chapter 39, obviously. Um, Eventually, everyone meets up, and we'll we'll talk about that and what happens next. A lot of good stuff happens in the next few chapters. The story 
finally with everybody getting back together, the story picks up and gets a, a stronger direction, I should say. Right here, they're scattered, and it seems to be the wheels are spinning in the mud. Not much traction going forward, but once everyone meets up again, uh, the story gets moving in, in the right direction. So the next um, segment, uh, we will be talking spoilers once again to remind you. So if you haven't read the series or um, are halfway through it, you probably want to maybe wait till later to listen to it. But because we will be talking spoilers about not only what happens in this book, but pretty much the whole series. If if it's in the last book, we might be talking about it. So just be advised. Uh, But we'll be talking about Andor the nation of Andor and its history, as well as, you know, why do they have queens uh, instead of kings and queens or kings only? This I think this is one of the few matriarchal um, dynasties in, in this series. Um, talk about how Aes Sedai are always the advisors to the queens. And also we alluded to it earlier with Tigraine and Morgays and Terengel that whole love triangle and or is it's the largest nation in the land. One thing that bothers me about the wheel of time is we never get a name of the land. <laughs> I think there's a, it's referred to as the Westlands sometimes, but it's not like there's a name for it. It's just the land. Does that ever bother you? In, in, in this book? Yeah, in the Wheel of Time. Like, what do you call, if you're looking at the map, what do you call that chunk of land? Let me look at the map, and I'll tell you. <laughs> there isn't a name for it. Huh. Yeah, I guess for a land that, you know what I mean? Like, you're talking about the in-between land, right? Like, uh, oh, everything. Yeah, I mean, you got the names of the countries, but that's about it, right? right? Yeah. Major cities. Like it's not called America or, you know, even though it's America, there's all these 50 states. But this land is just called the land. <laughs> the land. the Yeah. I never noticed that before. Yeah. Huh. So anyway, some people have called it Randland. Randland. <laughs> I like it. But anyway. So Andor is the largest nation in the land. And it's also one of the oldest. Um, the land. That's going to bother me now. I'm going to be honest. That's going to bother me. Yeah, so the first queen was Ishara. First queen of Andor, Ishara. And she married a general, one of Arthur Hawking's generals, Sauron Maravale. And she was the first queen. So she, and she was also the first one to take an Aes Sedai advisor. And that advisor was named Baler. And she started the, the tradition that only a queen can sit on the throne of Andor, sit upon the lion throne, sit upon the lion throne. And wear the rose crown. So, 
then the daughter heir, the roles of daughter heir and the first prince were created. Um, and if the queen has, oh yeah, and if there's no surviving daughter, there's no daughter heir, then the throne goes to the nearest female blood relative. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Now I remember. Uh, and that, so that's how Morghese uh, became queen, right? Because she was the next, I mean, first cousin or whatever it was. Yeah, so I guess there's been three different uh, battles or wars of succession. And the last one did involve the daughter heir Tigrain and the, with the death of Queen Mordrellin. And then Tigrain disappeared, so that left Morghese of House Trakhand to um, step into power. So let's talk about that. Um, we got Morghese Trakhand, who at the time of this, this first book, she's the queen, and her Aes Sedai advisor, Elida, who's of the Red Aja. But, um, so her, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but let's go into a little more detail. So Queen Mordrellin uh, didn't have any heirs. And she <laughs> apparently died of grief. She was sad. Kind of like Padme Amidala in episode three, Revenge of the Sith, Star Wars. She had a broken heart and died. Um, so anyway, she didn't have any heirs, but um, T. Grain. So she had disappeared under mysterious circumstances. So that's why she, uh, Mordrellin was sad. Uh, but Tigreen was uh, married to Terengel de Madrid of Kerhine. Kerhine. Isn't it Kerhine? Yeah, the, the people of Kerhine, Kerhine or Kerhining. <laughs> <laughs> so don't judge us. You don't know how to say it either. I'm looking it up. I'm looking at Kerhien. Uh, it is pronounced. I it doesn't even say Kerhien. I, I I say Kerhien, uh, but I mean I say I I used to say Morgas too. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Kerhien. Oh, here it is. Pronounced Kerhien. Wow, we were way off. Ki- it's yeah, wow, Kirien. I mean, that's what it says on this uh, Will of Time. Kirien, Kirien. I guess yeah, K E Y E, R E E E H N. Kirien. So Terengel is from Kirien, and was he? Yeah, he was a prince from. So Carrion and Camelin are trying to unify the throne, maybe? Yeah, So, th- and that's what they wanted to do, and it talked about that, is that um, Terengale wanted to kill um, the, daughter, the daughter heir after she became queen and then unite the, th- the thrones all under Carrion. Okay, so, under his rule? Yeah, under his rule and become in charge. Uh, but he, he he didn't survive. Well, then she ran away, right? Yeah. Do we ever learn how she, why she ran away? Was it because she was having visions or something? 
Well, it was a it was a political marriage. Um, you know, I don't think that you know she ever like loved him or anything. Right. But I I, I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> okay. So yeah, she runs off, and we know from reading the whole series that she becomes she runs off to the the threefold land right to the waste mm-hmm. ideal waste and it hooks up with the maidens of the spear and she becomes a maiden she's like the only one who was never an aiel that was accepted by them and was able to become a maiden then she ends up marrying an aiel gets pregnant and then the Aiel war happens and she goes off to fight and that's when she she's pregnant at the time. Well, you're right. She does, she, she does become f- far Darius Mai. Yeah. And then that's when she gives birth to Rand on the slopes of Dragon Mount. Mm-hmm. And then and dies. So what I'm reading here, this is interesting. I didn't know this. She was told by, uh, and uh, this is a, uh, a fandom check with you. Guitara Moroso. She was uh, told by Guitara Moroso to go become a maiden of the spear. Run away and become okay. a spear. Do you remember who that is? Yeah, she she was the not the the head I said I right, but the no keeper. Yeah, I, I think she was the keeper, right? And then she died in the new spring after she yeah. but like uh when she's like, oh, he's born, he's born on the slopes, but, and then she died. Yeah. 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 So, so this is saying that's why she left, is that he, she told him, you need to go run away, become, you know, go become made in the spear. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember that from the story somewhere. Yeah. So that's interesting. So Terengel and Tigrain had a child, Galad, who's like, Apparently the hottest guy in the whole series, right? Yeah. And an amazing sword fighter. Yeah, like one of the best. Top top five alive. Top yeah. five that rhymes. Yeah. So Galad and Rand are half brothers because they have the same mother. Tigrain. Different fathers though. So that's and that's why everybody thinks Rand's an Aiel because his dad is an Aiel. And I remember they they talked about it, who it was, but I can't remember. It was very brief. Jandwin. Yeah. Yep. And, he, and was he dead at the time? By the time Rand got over there, to yeah. The waste? Yeah, he was dead. I don't remember how he died. Um, let's see. This is what it says on this fandom. It says Jandwin, believing both his lover and child were dead, could not forgive himself, and forsaking his place as clan chief something and no one had done before journeyed into the blight to slay shadow spawn. So pretty much he acted like, you know, the Aiel that thought that they were, that uh, were born channelers, right? They just ran up, yeah. killed who they could and then died. Yeah. So that was pretty dramatic. <laughs> um, okay. So we got that part, that part of the love triangle defined. And then Taringo, Damodred, he, wasn't he related to Moraine Damodred as well? Who? Moraine. Yo, yeah. She, so she was like, 
she was she could have become queen after um because i'm trying to remember who so his father was the one that started the IO war right layman yeah and layman uh she like uh moraine was i think layman's niece Right. When Layman was yep. killed, the Aes Sedai went to her to try to get her to take the throne. And that's why she – and she had already – she had just been raised, you know, to a full Aes Sedai. So then she just kind of ran away. Oh, yeah. That's right. And, that's why she left. Yeah. And this is – That and to find the dragon. Yeah. Yep. So this this is all in the prequel. Uh, New Spring. Yeah, New Spring. So if you haven't read New Spring yet – pick it up and read it you'll kind of get it but um uh yeah uh, so ma rain is i mean she was a heartbeat away from being a queen herself huh yeah so she could have been the kirin queen with Morgays being the camelin queen and eventually elaine mm-hmm. huh. that's pretty cool and then, so that leaves, so that's that side of the, that's the Terengale side of the love triangle. And Morghese, she has two kids, Elaine and Gawain. And Elaine obviously ends up becoming an Aes Sedai, a powerful Aes Sedai, while Morghese herself can barely channel. But Elaine is obviously apparently one of the most powerful. Mm-hmm. Gawain, he becomes a warder, or wants his training to be a warder. And he, what he ends up being Egwene's boyfriend. Do they get married or just boyfriend, girlfriend? I can't remember if they get married. Uh, I know that. I mean, they become lovers, right? I, I don't know. I don't remember actually saying they got married, but I guess I just assumed they were. Yeah, and he becomes her warder too, right? Yep. Yeah, he becomes her warder. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone in this love triangle and their children play a huge part in this story. I mean, I would say these these are the core characters of the whole story. Is this? I don't know if it's a love triangle per se, because it's not like more gays and um, T Green were jealous of each other or anything. But there was, you know, they all had the same lover but yeah everyone every one of these guys ends up being a major player in the story hmm. yeah sorry I, i'm like reading this as I go it's so interesting so it says that uh moraine is galad gawain's and elaine's aunt really yeah because she, yeah. she's the half sister of taryn gale domadred who married tigraine uh. So yeah, and Taryn Gell's the father of Galad Gawain and Elaine. So yeah, so she is the the aunt of all of them. <laughs> uh, does that ever come out in the? No, I don't think that. Story? I don't think that ever. I mean, I assume that they just give you pieces of bits and then you just put it together over time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the trail's there, but I don't think they ever like Moraine have a, has a conversation with Elaine. Like, I'm your aunt. You'll listen to me. You'll do what I say. Yeah, and that's kind of weird because you would think that they would recognize that, right? Like, or at yeah. least uh, 
at least um, more gays would, right? Would be like, oh, this is this is your aunt. Yeah. Huh. Because more gays would would know, right? Yeah, you'd think. Yeah. Definitely. Interesting. Hmm. So, Moraine and um, Tarengale are half siblings. Yeah, it says they're half siblings. It doesn't say like what whatever that means. Like if mothers probably fathers you know or something but yeah it just says they're half it's, it's his half sister that's pretty cool so maureen is not necessarily a love in the love triangle but she's related to them and she's one of the major players as well cool yeah so that's uh andor and its rulers present day rulers as well uh, anything else you can think of to bring i think Andor. i mean the two rivers where the story started out with um rand and, and his friends is part of Andor, but they talk about it several times especially in the first book how they don't consider themselves part of the nation of Andor because they've never seen the queen or the queen's guards or anything but uh, on the map they're part of Andor, so it goes from there all the way to Camelin, at least. So, I think those are the major parts of the story. They're like, there's not another, I guess, White Bridge is part of the story. Mm-hmm, a little bit. What? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, too, we can't, we can't uh, skip the triangle without talking about Tom Marilyn's involvement either. Oh yeah, right. even him. So, because yeah. we Tom Marilyn's a major player in the book too, and we find out later that Tom Marilyn was actually a lover of Queen Morgay's <laughs> after after um, Terengale dies, yeah, or disappears, and we find out too that Tom was the one that killed him. What? Yeah, Tom had him killed. You don't remember that? No. Yeah, Tom had like well. I don't think it actually comes out and says, yes, it was me, but it <laughs> hints like that, like there's a lot of hints that says that Tom had something to do with his death. Yeah. I was just going to ask, do we know what happened to Terengel? But apparently we have some hints. Yeah. Tom killed him. Yeah. And so that's the general, like without anyone coming out and saying, I mean, I guess someone can write a letter to Harriet or maybe they've already answered it, but, uh, but, yeah, but Tom, um helped do that interesting and then on top of that tom and moraine hook up at the end right didn't that blow you away so and this is what's weird to me is that he had to have known her yeah they had to have had uh some things and uh just kind of weird that he it was more more gaze's lover and then it's like you're gonna go with your husband's half sister. That's weird. <laughs> Dude, Tom knows how to work it. I guess that gets in without royalty, man. He's like a a sugar daddy, or no? He gets sugar mamas. Is what he does. Yeah, I mean, big time. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So they ended up. Uh, they they got married, right? They he didn't make her ward or anything. He just said, "Let's get married." Yeah, yeah, they weren't. He wasn't her water. 
when Moraine came back, was she just as powerful or did she decrease in the power like Swan Sanche did? Yeah, she had decreased in the power, but not because she had been stilled, right? Like Swan Sanche did. Swan Sanche was yeah. stilled. Uh, she was weaker because the elfin fed off of her power. Oh, yeah. And right. so, but what made her like, you know, be able to use, you know, weaves and stuff as she was able to is because she had that, uh, um, Angrio. But there, they, the one, the blue stone or a different one? Yeah, it wasn't like, uh, I don't remember what it was, but she carried an Angrio with her. And so when she was captured, you know, when she was held prisoner, she had it there. And so they fed off of her, um, power i guess i mean they never really go into what what happens but so when she came back she was permanently reduced in power so she said that uh, i think she mentions it like uh i i would i wouldn't even pass like be allowed to enter the tower uh, at Mm. this point wow yeah so wow that's that's crazy (laughs) Yes. Anyone else <laughs> that is involved in this that we I know. Uh Matt. Lan, he... <laughs> I <laughs> you would think that there'd be more, right? I mean, yeah. but yeah, I think that's that's the major ones, you know, and then I mean at the end of the book it even gets crazier, right? You know, Elaine and Rand and <laughs> Gallad and I guess that's it for the, the love triangle that we went off on a tangent, but um so next up we'll be talking like i said about you know starting with chapter 39 and what happens when rand and the group get back together and how they meet up with some some more major characters in the story in these final chapters with with loyal and the ogier they do talk about the ways a little bit and I think we'll be talking about that next time. The ways, what they are, how you travel them, what benefit they have, what's the danger. So we'll be going in, into that. And also there's been a, a short story released. I think we talked about it in one of our episodes uh, a few months ago about how Brandon Sanderson recently released a, a chapter about how Perrin travels the ways and probably bring some of that story into it. It's not considered canon. I think initially it was part of the story, but then with everything going on, he ended up cutting that from the the, the last book, Memory of Light. And But he still had the pretty good outline of it, so he finished it up and published it. It's not considered canon, but it's got some good insight. So we'll also be bringing that into the the, the discussion as well with the ways on our next episode so we want to thank you guys for joining us here on the fourth Taviran podcast as we review the eye of the world uh, chapters 33 to 38 we will invite you to join us on our website crediblenerds.com as well as on social media on facebook twitter instagram under credible nerds join us there join in the conversation um, let us know what you think about the wheel of time any of the things we've talked about here We appreciate you listening and definitely follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Be part of the group and get involved with us. Um, Give us some reviews on, on iTunes, whether you like the episode, you know, you can give us 
review and rate us on a five star scale. Uh, definitely be honest, but give us a good review if you can. And we'd appreciate it a lot. Also, stick with us as we finish up this book one of The Wheel of Time, The Eye of the World. And then we'll be transitioning into book two, The Great Hunt, here in a couple months. So we want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Mark, do you have any final thoughts about these chapters in this episode? Uh, Matt is a better general than Demon Dread. <laughs> no, uh, hey, things are starting to pick up here. We're getting to the end of the book. Uh, you know, uh, for me, this is my hook and anchor is what we're getting into now. And I'm sure it is, was for a lot of readers. Keep reading it, stick with us, and let us know if you want us to cover anything particular. You know, we covered the love triangle. We've covered, you know, the breaking and stuff. Uh, we'll, we want to talk about anything you guys want to listen to. So let us know. Yeah, definitely. Send us an email or message us on social media. We'll read your your question or your statement on air and talk about it. And we appreciate you guys listening and we'll catch you next time. See you guys. <laughs>